0: You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. I feel like I'm supposed to say Happy New Year. And you're supposed to say it back. (laughs) Um, Good to see you. Good to be with you this morning. And uh, it's first Sunday, 2017. It's pretty exciting. And uh, we're going to have some fun this morning. I like to have fun while we get together and talk about God's word. And so hopefully we can uh, laugh together a little bit this morning as well. Hope you guys had a great holiday and great Christmas and a great new year. And regardless of how late you stayed up, how early this morning you went to bed, um, I expect bright eyes all morning. So, uh, but you know, if you fall asleep while I'm preaching, I usually, that's a sign to me that you really need the sleep. And so I'm just going to let you snooze. Um, So uh, if you have to work out a deal with the person next to you, if you want them to wake you up, because I'm not going to do it. But may take a couple pictures, put it on the Facebook page at Riverside, you know, not promising anything in that area. Um, If you've been around, which hopefully you have been, um, if you haven't been, it's awesome to have you here now to start off the new year. But if you have been around, we're in our bold faith theme. That's what we're talking about this whole year, meaning like our theme year, 2016, 2017. And uh, as part of that, we're starting something new. We talked about a little bit on Christmas Eve and uh, kind of let you know where we're going. We're talking about prayer. Uh, this month, month, for the next few weeks, bold faith prays bold prayers. So we're talking about sticking your neck out, praying gutsy prayers, the prayers that can be kind of scary, you know, inviting God into parts of your life that's kind of nerve wracking, inviting him to stretch you to do things in your life that uh, can be a little scary at sometimes for us. That's the kind of prayer we're talking about. And so today I want to start out uh, by talking about a certain kind of prayer that we can pray and uh, that will challenge us to pray this kind of prayer. And I was thinking about this and, uh, I was thinking about how easy it is to pray easy prayers, as opposed to gutsy, stick-your-neck-out bold prayers. And my life is filled with these kind of prayers, the easy prayers, you know, God protect me, God help me. Um, I pray that for little things, you know, God help me to find the hoodie that I really wanna wear, and somehow it just turns up missing in my house. You know, you lose your car keys, or losing stuff drives me nuts. I don't know if there's anybody else in here that has like a psycho aspect to losing things, like my car could be on fire, and I'm less upset about that as about this hoodie i cannot find my winter retreat hoodie from a few years ago it's a blue innovate hoodie i cannot find this hoodie it disappeared in my house how does that happen that that your sock like where does it go where do your car keys go you know where you put them and they're gone and inevitably and i don't know i i feel like it's all families that's what the world i'm living in maybe it's just our family but there's usually one person every family that gets blamed you know what I'm talking about? There's one family member that, for a multitude of reasons, they're just the one that everyone thinks of first when something is broken, when something is missing, when something is lost, right? Um, and you guys, if you know our family well, you can probably guess who that is. It's not Sierra. She's too quiet and too relaxed. And it's not Shelly, of course. Uh, it's David, right? David's the one, and, and God bless him. You know, he's got a, he gets a bad rap. You know, He's the one that, if something's broken, missing, you know, David must have lost it, he must have I think he's got my hoodie. I, I'm pretty sure it's in his room somewhere, buried under something. It's probably not true, but in my mind, it's true that it's up there, and I don't even want to go digging for it up there. And then another thing, at least in our household, that inevitably happens when I'm in a panic psycho frenzy when I've lost something. And it's not pretty. Like, I get legitimately, I lose my mind when I can't find something. It's usually the last minute when I need to leave or need to walk out of the house. I'm freaking out about it. Um, there's another thing that happens in our house, and I think it happens in a lot of houses. What do you do when you can't find something? You, you, you spend several frenzied, frantic, panicked minutes where you're muttering and stomping around the house looking. And inevitably in our house, there is a cry for help. And it's not a general cry for help. The cry for help goes out to the person in the house that everyone feels like just knows where everything is. Who is that? It's mom. (laughs) Mom just is supposed to know where everything is, right? So inevitably, there's this panic, there's frustration, there's rushing around, and I know Shelly's expecting it to happen. Inevitably, it doesn't matter who it is, there's, Shelly! doesn't matter, I mean, you don't go find her, you scream it through the house. Mommy! And it's always Shelly. And she's probably thinking, how am I supposed to know where your stuff is? I don't put your, I don't know where your sock is. I don't know where your shoe is. You know? But that's what you do. You yell to the person you think knows because she's just supposed to know. And, And a lot of times, even if she doesn't know where it is. She's smart enough and she can wave the magic wand. She goes and finds it. So she comes back with it either way. So she's the blessing in moms. You know, it's just a mom gift, I think. So when we're when we lose something, we'll panic, but then eventually we call out to the one who knows. And so we're gonna talk about that in relationship to God this morning and the kind of prayers we pray. Is that and we say this, it's an American cultural statement. When we've lost something, God knows where it is. Like he actually does know where it is. He knows where that sock is and he's laughing about it. He knew you were gonna lose it. He saw it get misplaced. He knows exactly where it is and he's probably laughing at you. You're like, yep, you're never getting that sock back. It's behind the dryer and you'll never think to look there. It's gone forever. Um, That's just the way God. But he does know. God actually does know where your keys are and that's what we ask him for. But does God know a few other things? that maybe we should be asking him to help us with or show us, I think he does. God knows a lot of stuff. The problem is I think we spend most of our time asking him little things, the things that we are obsessing over, the things we're concerned with. We spend all of our time asking him about those things and it eclipses the bigger questions we should be asking him about the bigger things that he knows. So if we can figure out what God knows, not what God knows, but what he knows that we don't know, it can change our prayer life. It changes how we talk to him. So what does God know? God knows what? God knows what? What does God know that should change the way we treat him, the way we talk to him, the way we perceive him? So um, this morning I've been thinking, and I want to encourage you with this. uh, Anytime you walk into church, anytime you're in a setting where the word of God is being discussed or read, anytime there's a setting where there's worship happening, where people are talking about, reflecting on Jesus, that is a setting that is never a waste of your time. There is never a church service, there is never a Bible study where the Holy Spirit's going, you know, I really don't have anything to say. I'm really not sure I have an agenda for your life today. There's never a place, no matter who the preacher is or where the church is, there's never a place where the word of God is spoken or read, that there is not some kind of agenda, some kind of truth the Holy Spirit wants to impart. So you being here this morning, even if we just flubbed all this up, God still has something he wants to say to you and he wants to speak into your life. And so that's the agenda we wanna go after together for the next few minutes. What does God's word have to say to all of us and what's the Holy Spirit wanna say to each one of you that are here this morning? So let's pray to that end. Jesus, thank you for the opportunity to be here, to be a part of uh, slowing our lives down and focusing on your word, this spiritual meal that we're gonna share together. Holy Spirit, may your will be done, your words be spoken, and I pray that we would all be listening and tuned in to what your agenda is. And I pray that it would come before any agenda that we have. And it's in your name we pray. Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 139 is where I want us to look. So you can go there in the app or turn in your paper Bibles. Psalm 139, and uh, I'll warn you that what I'm about to say is a joke because no one laughed in the first service. Psalm 139, next to the ancestral lists of the Old Testament is my favorite Old Testament passage. Yeah, that's a joke, because no one likes the ancestral lists, right? Um right? They're pretty cool and pretty awesome, but Psalm 139 is really cool. So if you're not familiar with Psalm 139, it's one of those ones that you could print out in a piece of paper, stick to your mirror, tattoo it on your arm if you're into that stuff, or just Sharpie it on, whatever you want to do. Psalm, Psalm 139, one of the reasons I love it so much is it's an Old Testament passage that reveals a very personal God. Um, there is no such thing as the God of the Old Testament and the New Testament, but the God of the Old Testament, for lack of a better term, gets a bad rap for being impersonal a lot. And Psalm 139 is one of those chapters that shows us how uh, very intimately personal he is with us and how much he knows about us and how much he loves us. So Psalm 139, let's uh, dig into this together for a few minutes. It says in uh, verse 0, you don't see that very often. <laughs> Verse zero of Psalm 139. Uh, a little little trivia there. For the director of music of David, a psalm. Uh, so it's interesting to know when you read a psalm like this, it's good to know that it was prepared creatively as poetry, as words with uh, music set to them. Uh, it gives you a little bit of a... Uh, intuition into, or a little bit of insight, insight is the word I'm looking for, insight into the the author. David's writing this, and it's really a pouring out of his heart in a very artistic and poetic way. Uh, A lot of emotional expression here, but also, as beautiful as it is, bedrock truth. Almost, you read these words, and it's like Jesus himself wrote it. So you have this artist who's very talented and very expressive, being inspired by the Holy Spirit and watching art and the Holy Spirit come together. It's beautiful. And so Psalm 139, thus, is a beautiful Psalm. So verse one says, you have searched me. And this is the heart of the prayer that we're examining this morning, this searching aspect. He's talking to God, he says, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You've searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you Lord know it completely. Detailed intimate knowledge, scary kind of, but also comforting and pretty awesome. Verse five, you hem me in behind and before. So if we're being hemmed in, it's, it's protection. You can feel, sometimes we feel like uh, if we're struggling with God, we feel like we're kind of feeling claustrophobic, but this is speaking of protection, a positive, a good protection. He's, he's in front and he's behind. So if something gets through and affects your life, not always easy to swallow. It's not because he's not paying attention. He's actually allowing that to happen, but God has your back quite literally, and he's in front of you as well. It's protection. And then it says, you hem me in uh, behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Think about that in your human relationships. Think about that in in parent-child relationships. A hand on your shoulder, a hand on your back. What does that say to you? What does that speak to you? What does that make you feel in the moments where a parent or a mentor or a guardian or someone you're close to places a hand on you. In the Old Testament, there's this huge connotation of blessing when someone puts their hand on you, it's almost like a, a spiritual, uh, rep- it's a representation of something spiritual, imparting blessing, the hand on. Uh, there's a relational comfort and blessing in that, that God has his hand on you. That's very personal. When someone touches you, puts a hand on you, it's very personal, it's very intimate. Um, it's, a, it's a love relationship uh, sort of thing. Uh, verse six, he says, such knowledge, this knowledge that God has is too wonderful for me too lofty for me to attain. The mind of God, how much he really knows, how much he really cares, it's mind-blowing. It's kind of what he's saying. That God is so big and so awesome that I can't even come close to, to being on the level where he's at. You know, and I think we need to be reminded of that. I had this professor in college that a lot of classes, when we would walk in, he'd start it by saying, he repeated this all the time. He would say, you are, uh, there is a God and you are not him. There is a God and you are not him. And he's like, you need to tell yourself that every day because we we can kind of get that out of control. We we can start forgetting like who's really in control. That role is already filled. I don't need to know everything because God knows everything. Um, He is in control and so... I don't need to be, and I don't want to be. It's too lofty for me to attain, and, and that level of care, when he says too lofty, it's, it's almost like he's communicating this intimate knowledge, you knowing everything about me, when I sit, when I stand, what I think, what I'm gonna say, how do I deserve this? How do I deserve this kind of detailed, intimate attention from the creator of the universe? Man, that's personal. Everything he mentions there is so personal, this this lavished, loving attention that God gives us that we don't deserve. We need to understand, it's so important for you to understand this morning, no matter who you are, whether you know God, have a relationship with him, or you don't, it's very important for you to understand that God knows you intimately. Whether you know him or not, he knows you better than you know yourself. And when we think about this searching or a prayer that we might pray where we're inviting God to search us, we have to realize that he's already searched us. And that's what David's acknowledging here. He's already searched us. And I imagine the metaphor, and I think most of you can probably get this in your mind, of like an old school person out West sifting for gold where they throw all the mud and the dirt and and they shake the sifter. You know what I'm talking? You get that in your mind? And then what's left are the gold pieces? That's the connotation of this word search, that God sifted us. Like he, he has gone through, he knows every minute detail about every cell, every atom, every thought, every brain cell. There is nothing that he doesn't know. Very reminiscent of what Jesus said about the fact that God has the hairs on your head numbered. This is personal knowledge. And so some people get scared and you say, I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's God watching me. He's waiting for me to slip up so he can zap me. That's not the kind of knowledge we're talking about. That's the kind of knowledge that evokes fear. This is the loving, caring, watchful eye of a parent. This isn't the skeptical eye of an enemy that's waiting to pounce. That's not the kind of knowledge this is. And it's not just haphazard knowledge. It's not the kind of knowledge where God just notices you or he sees you out of the corner of your eye when you're moving around. The kind of detail that he's mentioning here, here describes the kind of God that's not just noticing, he's looking. Just kind of like a parent watches the details of a child's life, not because they have to, because they want to. They do it out of love and care. I mean, we're the apex of his creation. He loves us so much that he takes joy in all those details. He wants to know every little bit. And that's why he searches. That's why he sifts us. Not out of uh, punitive motivations, not because he's waiting to judge us. It's love. And that's the whole atmosphere and the whole flavor of this, this psalm here. That's the kind of God we have, a personal God that knows us because he wants to know us and the question then becomes if god knows us so well so well that he knows what we're going to say before we say it if he knows us that well that begs the question how well do you know him do we even have the desire to know god back as intimately as he knows us do we search for him as hard as he searches for us, do we wanna know his mind? Do we wanna know the words that are gonna come out of his mouth before they even do? Do we we have that level of desire back for him? And so that's a natural response, a goal of ours. God, I wanna know you as intimately as you know me, and it's not gonna be possible. as It's too lofty for me, but I want it. I wanna know your thoughts. I wanna know your words. I wanna know you intimately and personally. And we can ask him to reveal these things. So this is a relationship where we respond to his knowledge of us, not with fear, not with freaking out, not with wanting to withdraw, but with, man, that's pretty cool that he loves me so much and knows me so well. That inspires me to reach back. I wanna know his mind and thoughts. Think about the way Jesus lived, how close he was to the mind of God. And that's our example. He, he said, I don't do anything except for what my father tells me to do. Jesus knew the mind of his father. He wanted to know the mind of God. He wasn't afraid to jump in there and get to know the mind of his father. He wanted to live out, live his life to be an outflow of that knowledge of who God was. And that should be our desire as well, to live like Jesus does, coming from an intimate relationship, a personal relationship with God. Can that be done? Is it possible? To have an intimate relationship with the creator of the universe, absolutely it is. And Jesus is our flesh and blood proof of that. So if you're here today and, and maybe you don't know God, you've heard people talk about him and you're like, man, I wanna respond to this truth, but is God really? Yes, he is accessible. He is accessible and he's inviting you, he's drawing you. He wants you to reach for him and say, God, reveal yourself to me. Let me know your thoughts, your words, how wonderful and how awesome you are. He wants you to know him that way too. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. God always knows where you are. He always knows where you are. Not, not only does he always know where you are, he knows where you are in context. And that's different than any knowledge we can ever have. He looks down and sees where you are in the big picture of the universe and of all time. He knows where you came from, he knows where you're going, and he sees where you are in the middle of all of it. We can never see but just a little glimpse. God knows where you are. There's never a moment that your signal is out of reach. There's never a moment where your spiritual connection with God is no dots or no bars. You can't go anywhere where there's no signal. He always has his eye on you. We feel like there is. Sometimes we feel like the clouds of brokenness of this world and whatever we're going through are blocking out his ability to see us. We can't feel him, we can't hear him, we can't see him. The truth of this is, he always knows where you are. And that is supposed to give us great comfort, not make us think like, oh gosh, that's an invasion of my privacy and I don't want God to, it's not supposed to be that, it's supposed to be comforting because there's never anything to worry about. You know, GPS only gives us one turn at a time. One turn at a time. We have to trust that though God's only giving us one turn at a time, that he knows exactly where it's all going and we can trust him to take us where we need to be going. Trust him, rest in that assurance that God always knows where you are. So our response to the fact that he always knows where we are should be to ask him to be the one guiding our lives. To not live out of what we see, to not only live out of the turns we think we should be making because we can't see the big picture. Our response to that intimate knowledge of where we are needs to be, God, you direct me. You guide me because I can't see the big picture and I'm not even sure what to do next. God, I don't even know where what you're telling me to do. I'm not even sure where that's taking me, but I trust you. So I'm gonna ask you to guide me. I don't wanna live out of my perspective. I don't wanna make decisions based on my vision. I want to base my decisions on your vision for my life, your plan for my life. And in hard times, to be able with the Holy Spirit's help to rest, to rest in the knowledge that he knows. He knows where it's all going. And let him take care of that. It goes on in Psalm 139, 13, for you created my inmost being, You knit me together in my mother's womb. And and let me pause there and say that God knows your physical body. When you encounter sickness, when you encounter disease that seems unfathomable, that the medical system can't deal with, again, resting in the assurance that God knows every cell, not only does he understand it, he can fix it. And so our prayer needs to be to first go to him and say, God, fix me. God, help me. You know where this pain's coming from. You know why this disease happened. You know where it's going. I'm gonna come to you about this. He knows your body. He knows your pain. He knows where it's coming from. He's the ultimate author and creator. Go to him with your physical pain and the physical pain of others, others who are suffering from diseases, going to God and asking him to get involved in that situation, submitting to him, giving it to him. Says, verse 14, I praise you How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. How beautiful. God saw your unformed body. I have to stop and say there, what a powerful statement about how valuable, how precious the unborn are works of God. The the words like woven, this isn't um, machine talk, random lumps of cells. The word woven gives us the impression that this is an artist lovingly at work with a dream of what someone can be, that his thoughts have guided every detail. Unborn children are an immeasurably valuable resource in the hand of God. Our job, to nurture and to care for all of those precious babies, whether they be unborn or born and young. Our job is to love them, to treasure them, to value them when the world does not see value. And to impart that message that God loves and treasures and values that life, we should be the beacons of light and hope and truth on that front. First, by our actions. Secondly, by how we talk and what we say. That's the influence that we should have on a world that struggles to understand the mysteries of God and the mysteries of the womb. He knew all of my days before one of them ever came to be. God knows why you're here. You want to know what your purpose is? He thought you up and he dreamed up the plan for your life before one day happened, before one second happened. So really what we do when we live is a discovery process. I wanna discover what the next chapter in God's book is. I don't wanna live my chapters. I don't wanna write my own story because honestly, I don't trust myself. I don't think I can dream up a better plan for who I'm supposed to be than God can. He knows my gifts, my abilities, my faults, my experience. He knows everything. And man, his ability to adapt to our stupid decisions is incredible. So we can divert and kind of go off track and he never loses the plan. He's never going, man, I'm not really sure what to do from here. He always knows what the next chapter is gonna be. In fact, this ability to live the next chapter out, is the whole reason Jesus came. Because we can't live, truthfully, in our sin and our brokenness, we can't live the way God made us to live. So Jesus comes and intervenes in order to unshackle us from the previous five chapters so that we're now free from our sin to live out the story that God wrote for us. We're free to discover, and discovery's fun. We just gotta have our mind in the right place. God, tomorrow, next year, next month, I wanna live your chapters, not my chapters. I don't wanna be the author, you're the author. Help me discover what your plan is. We live by his purpose and his plan. Psalm 139, 19 and this is a major transition. This is one of those ones you're like, man, what? This is Old Testament. Like, what, what is going on right here? So he goes from all that, like, oh, this is great. God, you know me. is beautiful and great. If only you, God, would slay the wicked, exclamation point. You're like, whoa, where, where'd that come from? <laughs> Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? You're like, yeah, I don't really, I like that other stuff, but I don't know about this, man. This doesn't seem very gaudy, Jesus y to me. I'm not sure this is supposed to be in there. You know, before we step back and get a little bit arrogantly judgmental of David here, let's just be honest. Everybody has days like this, right? At least David's expressing it to God these deep thoughts he's having i mean the dude he has some rough times right people are chasing around trying to kill him and stuff he's what's what's happening here he's angry he's looking around at injustice at sin at darkness at brokenness at unfairness and he's upset about it right and if we're honest with ourselves we get like that too how we express it that's a question to who we express it that's also a question But he says, he says, I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Out of anguish, out of pain, out of living in a world that constantly tries to get it right, but always fails and always hurts people. So he's upset about what's being done to him, but he's also upset about the injustice and how it affects the world he lives in and the people around him. And so very viscerally and very raw emotion, he's expressing this, I think, to the best person you can express it to, the person who can really handle it full vent he's expressing it to God and not until we're honest about those feelings can Jesus teach us the lesson that he himself lived out hanging on the cross father forgive them for they don't know what they're doing Jesus came to give us a way out of all that injustice I mean you think God's not mad about that when you look around at the world and sometimes people get upset at God when they look around at all the sin brokenness unfairness injustice and they're mad at God about it. You think God's not upset about that? You think he doesn't feel that? Yeah, he's a lot more upset about it than we are. And that's the whole reason Jesus came, to provide a way out of that cycle of brokenness and injustice and unfairness, hopelessness. That's the whole reason he came. It's the whole reason for the cross. And he dealt with it in the best way possible. He brings freedom and light to it. And he gives us an escape route to get out of it and to offer other people an escape route as well. So when you are feeling those things, express them to God and let him take that raw emotion and help you to live the right way out of it. Don't live out of it, take it to him first, work with him through those things and allow him to show you the right way to respond in your life, the way that Jesus responded, he shows us how to respond. God knows your pain. Psalm 139.23, and this is the heart of what we're getting at today. After all of this admission of what God knows, he, he says this here at the end. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting search me and know my heart test me know my anxious thoughts see if there's any offensive way in me that's uncomfortable he's realizing and admitting there what we all should admit that god knows our sin god knows your sin whether we're willing to talk about it admit it acknowledge it or not god knows your sin he already knows it he's waiting for us to get there so that we can work on it together and we can't skip this step It's so important for us to realize and acknowledge what Jeremiah writes in Jeremiah 17, nine. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind. So he's doing it whether we invite him to or not, right? To reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. God's already searching our hearts. So this prayer, when he says, search me, it's not giving permission. It's a prayer of participation is what it is. It's welcoming, inviting the process, participating in the process because until we participate in the process that's already happening, we can't move past it. We can't move past the sin to a place of health and wholeness and freedom until us and God look at the same thing together and agree on it. That's what repentance is. If you're in church and you're hearing the word repent and repentance, that's what repentance is. Repentance is us and God standing next to each other and we're looking at the same stuff. And we're going, yeah, you see that? Yeah, I see that. You willing to call that what it is? That's sin, that's ugliness. Yeah, yes, I'm willing to call that sin and ugliness. All right, can we, are we ready to do something different? I'm ready to do something different. I'm ready to let you help me. That's what repentance is. And you know where repentance happens? It happens at the place where we truly see what sin really is, at the foot of the bloody cross of Christ. He showed us very clearly what sin is and what it does. He exposed it for the universe to see. The cross is where we meet him to agree on this, to agree on who we are, to agree that we need him, and lay down our hole, I'm pretending, I can't hear, I can't see, I'm gonna pretend, I'm gonna, I'm gonna run from him, I'm gonna hide from him, I don't wanna talk about these dark things in my life, I don't wanna admit these things, I'm happy the way I am, I'm better than this person, I think I'm doing pretty good, I go to church a lot, and, 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 and we do this, we play these games. He sifted us, he has sifted us. He knows every detail. He's waiting for us to drop all of that. He loves us. He's ready to care for us. He's waiting for us to drop all that and just come to him so that we can move on. And that's where spiritual life begins. It's painful. It's hard. It's difficult to admit that stuff, to acknowledge it. But God already sees it. And lovingly, he's beckoning you to identify it with him and telling you, I want to help you with this. Jesus is saying, can you let me take that? Let me take that sin off of you so that we can do something different. But we have to participate in that process. And that's what the search me prayer is. God, I'm ready to participate. Shine that searchlight on me. I'm ready, bring it. I invite your watchful eye, the eye that sees everything. You know what? I'm thankful for it. It does scare me a little bit, but I'm thankful for it. I want your protection. I want your love. The fact that you always know where I am, it does bring me comfort, God, and I wanna wanna revel in that, I wanna rest in that. That's what God wants to do for every single person. And total openness with him starts that beautiful process. So the thing today is have the guts to ask God to search you. Have the guts to, to ask him to sift you down and find every little thing and talk to you about it and show it to you so that you don't have to settle for mediocrity. You don't have to settle for just being better than the person that over here that you think you're better than. Remember, our standard is Jesus. If we wanna compare ourselves to somebody, we should be comparing ourselves to Jesus. And he is perfect. So let God show you those little things. Invite his searchlight and then actively participate in the process, the beautiful, gritty process that ensues, which is the Holy Spirit helping us work through our stuff and making us more and more like Jesus until the day we go home to be with him. It's a process that he longs to begin with you. Have you begun that process? Do you welcome his guidance, his protection, his loving knowledge of you? Or maybe, have you been more claustrophobic? Have you been kind of running from him out of fear, out of guilt, selfishness? What's been your posture toward God? So the question today, how will you allow God's knowledge of you, that detailed personal knowledge, how will you allow God's knowledge of you to change the way that you interact with him, that you live, that you relate to him, that you pray to him, that you talk to him? Will your prayers grow bigger after today? I want to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes, and we're going to worship and we're going to have communion. So appropriate for the search me prayer to have communion today. So as you close your eyes, you bow your heads, and you're thinking about what the next step is for you, what prayer needs to begin this process for you today, the worship team's gonna come, lead us in a time of reflection and communion. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with God, you've never had the guts to stick your neck out and really invite Jesus into your life in a a full throttle kind of way, I want to invite you to do that today and I want to encourage you not to be scared because basically it's you falling into the arms of such a beautifully loving God, a love that you can't possibly fathom until you experience it and only partially so then. Have the guts to let go, to embrace the process of God's searchlight on your life Be willing to admit your brokenness, your sin, your shortcomings, your failures. Be willing to accept his forgiveness and invite him to help you with the rest that comes after that. That's a prayer you can pray right from your seat this morning. Jesus, I want to start this whole thing this morning. Maybe you're here, and your prayer is, "God, forgive me," because you know what—I'm one of those follower of Jesus Christian people that I've kind of leveled. I'm in a place of mediocrity right now. You know, I'm kind of become content with certain things, but the searching process not really happening on a a level that it should be, and I, I need to let God search me even more. So maybe your prayer is, "God, forgive me for being mediocre for 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 not praying this prayer." Been scared been content cruising altitude God push me I want to to be closer to you just show me more edges that you can knock off more things that can be better maybe you're here and and God has been showing you some stuff and it's kind of painful and you're looking at the stuff with him and you're shaking your head at him going I don't know how, how we're going to fix this I'm too damaged. I'm too broken. I'm too far gone. I've hurt too many people. I'm too far into this addiction. I'm t- I, I just don't see a way out. I see it, God, and I agree with you, but I do not have the strength to handle this, and I don't know how we're gonna deal with it. Maybe your prayer is, Holy Spirit, more than I've ever prayed this before, I need your help with this. I cannot do this on my own. Can you help me? Make a way where there's no way. Give power that I can't. I can't contrive this on my own. Help me know how to deal with this this week. We see the stuff. Give me the strength to deal with it. And I need to be with you doing it together. Hold my hand because I can't do this by myself. I need to feel you every step of the way. God, I pray you would show all of us what the next step is in response to this powerful, intimate knowledge that you have of us. Search us, God. Show us anything in us that needs to change. Shine your light on us. Draw us closer to who you want us to be. I pray that we wouldn't retreat out of fear, out of selfishness, out of rebellion, that we would welcome your knowledge, welcome your desires, and welcome the process of making us more like you. I pray for those who need to pray an invitation prayer for you to come in to their lives. Holy Spirit, break down the walls and help them to have the courage to pray that prayer today. Trust you. I pray for those who are breaking out of a place of complacency today and mediocrity. I pray that you would forgive them and forgive us. Move us forward. And God grant strength. Holy Spirit, grant your power to those who see clearly but need help in dealing with what they see in their lives. Give us the strength we don't have in and of ourselves. And as we take communion, may we never forget the price that was paid so that we even have the opportunity to engage in this process. Thank you for your freedom and your love, clearing our debt out of the way so that we're free to pursue the pages of your book. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we worship, I wanna invite you to, to get you up for communions at the four Riverside corners of the room. Uh, if you understand communion more and it's meaningful to you, I invite you to come and, w- and get w- communion, w- bring it back to your seat, but Riverside don't take it. And then Thor is gonna come up and lead us through communion together as we pray that prayer, God search me together.